0: Hi, I'm Natalie Argarius, and this is The Urbanist Podcast, where we discuss news, information, and ideas about improving cities and quality of life.
1: And I'm Ray Dubicki. In this week's episode, we welcome back local activist Ron Davis, who has contributed a couple articles to The Urbanist. Welcome, Ron. Hey, thanks for having me back. We're going to talk with Ron about a proposal from downtown businesses to start a new holiday in Seattle, a jumpstart tax holiday. What does that mean, and where does it put the city's budget? Let's find out. Stick around.
0: Hi, Ron. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, Up front, we know that you're a candidate for District 4 North Seattle. Today, we're going to be chatting about a different topic, but we wanted to check in on how campaigning is going.
2: Yeah, you know, thank you so much for asking. Running for City Council is kind of a, a big experience, but overall going great so far. Lots of good endorsements, Uh, talked to maybe 800 voters, gathered $50,000, $60,000 in vouchers and feel like it's off to a strong start.
0: Last time you were on the podcast with Ray while I was out uh, for a while on maternity leave and you talked about comprehensive planning. You called the process unserious. Anything more you'd like to say about it?
2: Uh, I'm still not seeing a serious alternate, uh, an option six, and I have had... Uh, more folks in the city level deep state uh, tell me that uh, it does not seem that that the uh, the executive is interested in going beyond an option five. So I continue to be frustrated about that, and I want to see the I want to see the council push uh, push the mayor's office to go farther.
0: So I have to admit that with this reference to a city level um, deep state, you've really piqued my interest, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping maybe you can bring that level of insight to today's topic, which is the jumpstart holiday. Now, holidays on the surface tend to sound great. We love them. But there's something that's wrong with this one. Can you kind of walk us through what that is?
2: Yeah, so this is a tax holiday. So jumpstart is a tax. It's one of our only progressive taxes in Seattle. So uh, what that means for those who aren't into wonky speak is most of our taxes Uh, come from sales taxes and property taxes. And those tend to eat up more of the income of poor people or working class people than they do of rich people. Um, And so that's considered a regressive tax. A progressive tax would actually uh, maybe take a little bit higher percentage away from those who have benefited more from our social arrangement here in Seattle. But that's not what we have due to some constitutional constraints. Now, some very smart people like Teresa Mosqueda thought up this great idea called the jumpstart tax, which uh, basically found a way through kind of a hole in state law to get us a little bit of progressive taxation. We're still the worst in the country, um, but, uh, but it remedied this slightly by putting in what's called an excise tax or kind of a fee on the highest incomes at kind of large-ish all the way up to giant companies in the city of Seattle. So this raises about three. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to pause right there because you mentioned giant companies in Seattle. Now, this tax had a different previous life, I think, before it became Jumpstart. Was it once known as the
2: Amazon tax? it was called the head tax and and there were uh, a couple of people uh, a couple of council members one in particular who liked to call it the amazon tax um but that actually that the first tax was called the head tax, and it would actually have covered an even broader array of companies and some lower-margin jobs. Uh, you know, so like retail jobs at five hundred dollars a job, if I remember right. Whereas here, these were it was getting tied to high incomes at kind of larger companies, um, so that they wouldn't uh, make it so that say like a uh, entry-level retail job doesn't pencil out in Seattle, but okay, that we would for... also take more from from rich companies, <laughs> basically.
0: Absolutely. So, thanks for kind of you know filling in that additional background. And so, I guess just for a little bit more of a basis of, under, of understanding for listeners, what are what are just some more of the details that you want them to know about how this jumpstart tax works?
2: Yeah. So the tax is uh, it's a fee levied on companies. I think the companies have to make I, I'm off the top of my head like eight million or something a year, um, but it's levied on uh, companies. And incomes over $150,000. It starts at about 0.7%, so less than one percent of income, and it goes all the way up to the uh, vertiginous heights of 2.4% or something like that. So it's a pretty small uh, excise tax on these top incomes, but overall, it actually raises a large amount of money because we have a lot of very high-paying jobs here, and so it raises. Uh, it's approaching 300 million a year now. I think it's 260 to 270.
1: And so, when we start talking about a holiday on that particular tax, what what are they what who's pushing for a holiday? And what are they asking for?
2: Yeah. So they're asking for a three year holiday. So that would be close to a billion dollars of just uh, that tax being uh, on pause. And the folks asking for it in public right now are the downtown Seattle Association, the Seattle Metro Chamber of Commerce, And I'm blinking on the name of the third, but it's the association as- associated with. Uh, downtown commercial real estate.
1: I find that really interesting that the Chamber of Commerce is asking for a holiday because aren't they the ones that tried to sue in court to stop the tax to begin with?
2: Right, yes, they opposed it politically. Uh, And then when that didn't work, they sued in court. And now that that uh, hasn't worked, uh, you know, never let a crisis go to waste, I guess. Uh, uh, The city's struggling right now and the economy is faltering. And so they figure, uh, hey, why not try and get a tax holiday?
0: So $300 million a year in revenue uh, is significant. What would not be getting funded if that money were to suddenly, you know, go on holiday and disappear for
2: three years. Yeah, so just to put it in context, um, a lot lot of times people talk about the size of our budget and they might include something like utilities or stuff that kind of distorts the numbers, but basically the council's working with kind of 1.5 to $1.8 billion a year that they can actually designate where it goes. This is 300 million, so now you're knocking out a huge percentage. Now, it would be up to the council where it goes, but a lot of that money right now goes to things like affordable housing, uh, daycare for families that can't afford it, uh, straight kind of straight into communities directly addressing people's kind of core needs. It was also a chunk of this year was used to actually just plug a hole in the general budget. I was going to say that
1: this year, the city, it did a big, uh, the jumpstart tax did a lot of heavy lifting in this year's budget because there are the straight up ideas that the jumpstart tax was going to go for, like you were saying, daycare and housing and things along those lines. But in an agreement between this year's council and the mayor, the mayor said, look, we will take a chunk off the top that we didn't quite expect to get and use that to plug a budget hole. Mm -hmm. Now, my understanding is that budget holes are going to continue. Mm -hmm. What does taking $300 million out actually due to our budget.
2: Yeah. So not only does it eliminate all of the affordable housing and daycare that Jumpstart was originally designed to deal with, but it also then leaves open that yawning gap in our budget and therefore ends up compromising things like, uh, preparing roads and bridges or getting the trains to run on time or, uh, you know, potentially responsiveness of, uh, first responders, uh, Take your pick, but the sort of basic functions of the city would be seriously compromised.
0: Okay, so I want to know is if the, you know, basic functions of the city are going to be super, you know, sorry, not super compromised, compromised. (laughs) That was me me just putting in a superlative there that didn't need to happen. Um, I'll
1: say, Natalie, a 300 million bucks sounds super compromised to me.
0: It doesn't
2: feel over the top to me either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a pretty big compromise. (laughs) Glad,
0: Glad to hear that. Well, what do the people who are promoting this tax holiday say that we're going to get from it? Why is it worth it to do this?
2: Yeah, they're pairing this uh, with a bunch of other ideas inside of a larger plan to revitalize downtown. And the sort of theory is, hey, you know, make it cheaper to hire really great tech workers in Seattle, and somehow that will grow employment downtown. It's, uh, essentially Reagan, uh, Reaganite tax theory, right?
0: I, you know, I've been hearing a lot these days of phenomenon like digital nomad, people occasionally working remotely for maybe like part of the week or most of the week, particularly those who are in sectors like tech or, you know, anything that basically is a job that you can do on a computer with internet. Have the people who are promoting this heard about this as well? Did they live through COVID or did they somehow go on a holiday? I don't know about and you know, miss all of that.
2: Yes. So, I mean, the idea that this would bring people back to downtown is silly, even if even if Reaganomics worked and it doesn't. um, And we did get a bunch more tech jobs here and this won't generate those. um, But even if we did, those would be the people that are staying out in their neighborhoods and traveling around and and, uh, coming to work remotely anyway. So that's not going to do a darn thing for downtown other than line the pockets of the shareholders who own the largest businesses. Right. Um, In addition, And I've said this sort of off the cuff, but we know that uh, tax cuts for the rich don't work. Uh, The Federal Reserve has said it doesn't help with starting businesses. There's decades of peer review that show that it doesn't actually grow the economy. The only thing it does is increase inequality. It is the kind of tax cut that does actually nothing for the economy. So there is nothing that the community gains for this. This is only really a, a taking, right?
1: One thing that I found interesting about the jumpstart tax to begin with is it doesn't show up on my 1040, not that my you know tech job here is really rating as that, um, as qualifying for the jumpstart tax. Yeah. This particular jumpstart tax gets paid out of directly by the businesses downtown. Most uh, employees don't actually
2: see this ever. Is that correct? True story. Yeah. I think of it as kind of like working like uh, your social security tax, but the the other half that your company pays you never see it.
1: And so for most people who are dealing with this, it is their checks won't actually, change necessarily, we'll just see
2: what? I mean, they will not see anything, right? This money will go back to the businesses, right? It's very unlikely to actually affect the workers. The the theory here is that, right, but now businesses will be more likely to want to locate people here because they're not paying an extra one and a half percent on their salaries. But of course, this is absurd. And the reason the research ends up showing that this doesn't work is First, people hire and fire based on macroeconomic factors and trying to find the right employees to create the value they need, right? Is this person the right person to build my product? And when they're thinking about costs, they think about large cost variables like, do I want to pay someone 40% more because they live in Seattle and housing costs are so damn expensive? They do not think, uh, gosh, do I want to pay that 1.2% excise tax on my higher income people? Like there's just that's not actually how businesses work. This was clearly cooked up by um, some you know, public affairs hack who doesn't really understand how hiring, firing, or businesses work.
0: Well, we're talking money on the podcast today uh, with this whole idea of a jumpstart tax holiday. And this is coming right at the same time in which The Urbanist is having a spring subscriber drive. So three times a year, we do a break in normal programming to talk about what it takes to run this organization. In addition to all of our reporting and articles, The Urbanist is an advocacy organization. You may see it um, when we run election endorsements or pen editorials about municipal decisions. Our subscribers help that work continue. And that's on top of the fun stuff we get to do from the podcast to meetups to our pieces about food and sports. We hope you love those too. So, please take a moment. And if you enjoy our work, give today.
1: Ron Davis is here to talk about the Jumpstart Tax Holiday that's being proposed by a number of organizations around Seattle. Ron, I can't help but feel that some of this is coming from the overwhelming talk that a recession is imminent. Where are you feeling? about the rate of recession talk and a lot of this pressure to let people uh, talk about tax holidays?
2: Yeah, I mean, when a recession comes up, right, people start to get grabby. And my guess is that, you know, I, like I actually happen to know that some of the leading public affairs folks in the chamber are actually divided on this topic. I know of venture capital people who think this is silly. So my guess is you've got you know a couple of big rate payers uh, or members of the chamber in the downtown Seattle Association that would like to just find a way to save some money and they're getting a little sticky with their fingers and they came up with this plan and they're pushing uh, pushing it through these advocacy orgs and hiding in the background.
1: I always hear about this kind of um, kind of short-sightedness about paying into something and not getting an immediate payback. And then being like, why am I why am I hearing the businesses cry? Why am I paying this right now? And I can't help but feel there's a level of toxic frugality to it, like penny wise and pound foolish, that right now they are spending an extra cent per dollar on salaries in order to make the city actually function for the next 20 years. How do we confront an organization like the Chamber of Commerce whose real... Ex- existence is based on representing how 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 hard businesses have it in the city?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, confrontation on this issue is tricky, right? So I think some of it is, is understanding that the business community itself tends to be divided on these things. So usually small businesses are not in favor of disinvestment in street level uh, activation or... Um, or you know, behavioral health support and those kinds of things. So there is sort of recognizing where some of those divisions are, and also even recognizing that there's divisions in sort of some of the larger companies, some of which are Pennywise and Pound Foolish, and some of which aren't. And again, companies themselves aren't monoliths, right? So this may have to do with who happens to be in power running a particular public affairs department, because uh, frankly, city level public affairs departments aren't the thing that rises to the top of the CEO's um, concerns in a, you know, in a big global enterprise. Now, I think also, though I do think there's an opportunity for some constructive thinking here, right? So, for instance, we in the progressive community have had a pretty um, adversarial relationship at times, say, with Amazon. And I think for good reason, you know, they they ran an auction to try to find the lowest bidder and uh, have done some things that were not uh, sort of good citizenship kinds of behaviors. But the truth is, is actually of of most companies out there, they're famous for trying to get away from quarterly capitalism, to think about things for the long term, to invest for the long term and not do what is just the most profitable thing right now. And I would really like to see that value embodied more in their public affairs function, because I think it could make a tremendous difference in the way they interact with cities like Seattle. You know, some, at some point, uh, you know, shareholders are are going to shareholder and you also have to recognize that at some point we're not going to need to rely on the goodwill of businesses we're going to have to create the appropriate incentives and regulatory frame, framework otherwise we wouldn't need a government
0: right so you know the fact that uh the seattle municipal chamber of commerce and the downtown seattle association are plugging this as a means by which we can revitalize downtown seattle which you know There's been a lot of discussion about how the pandemic changed downtown. A lot of that um, discussion has focused on how it's changed for the worse. Um, How significant that change has been, I think, is is really open to interpretation. And there are a variety of of opinions on on that, which is something we've definitely addressed in this podcast before. Um, But I'm curious to know, why would bringing... More tech workers back to downtown be that secret ingredient for ensuring its success. Like, what what is it about you know the the presence of the tech workers in that particular neighborhood um, that makes them so valuable that it's worth cutting three hundred million dollars from our city's budget?
2: Well, let me steel man it for a sec. This argument for a second. So, I mean, I don't think anything that they're positing would make it worth three hundred million. But but sort of what is so great about bringing tech workers downtown is they spend a lot of money. And the fact that they come down keeps commercial real estate prices high and high commercial real estate prices fill up a bunch of our uh, tax coffers, right? Those are sort of the big pluses. Um, And when they're spending that money downtown, lunch eateries, et cetera. But as you noted, um, we are in a different time, things are changing. And we have now got more as has been acknowledged in urbanist many times, we have more people living in the downtown, extended downtown area than at any time before. And certainly we need to do more of that better. And that's more likely to create a 24 hour city rather than a sort of dead or empty financial district in the evening, right? Which would be much more thriving. The tourism industry is back to full throttle as well. So those two, those two pieces have really revved up. Um, But yeah, the office worker thing is lagging and it, I suspect that the way right now we have hundreds of thousands of office workers who are not coming downtown, and they're doing so by choice. So trying to nibble with a percentage or two around taxes to try to affect hiring, which science shows doesn't work, um, is probably not the way to affect that, right? So if we really, if it really is important that we get people Back downtown, that are tech workers, if that's the way to save the city. And I don't know that it's the only way. I think it would be great to have more of them. I'm sort of an all of the above kind of person. But it seems like making it more attractive uh, would be a good idea, right? And so that could be everything from uh, keeping it clean, uh, keeping it safe through real behavioral health support, whether that's investing in, say, the King County crisis care levy this month that's coming up, or whether that's actually scaling up a behavioral health crisis response, um, making it more physically attractive, you know, maybe uh, completing the streetcar connection um, and building more cultural attractions along it, potentially not making mistakes, unforced errors like we did along the waterfront and actually building real parks in these sorts of places. Um, These things make downtown more attractive, and then also making it much, much easier, cheaper, faster to get downtown via transit and avoid traffic. I also think you're likely to see a lot more Tech foot traffic downtown than you would even if even if we drew our, grew our job space by ten percent, which I would love to do, but this Jumpstart holiday would not do anyway. So,
1: I, it continually strikes me you've you've mentioned Reaganomics in regards to this particular perspective of a tax holiday. No, and and the idea that um, so many of these businesses are kind of compelling their employees to come back down. Uh, to their central offices is very much a Reaganomics vibe in that they are, the businesses are saying, hey, we want you in the office three days a week, four days a week, very specific constraints. And it is a very centralized concept that many of these folks are, that many of these big businesses are doing in order to get their employees back downtown. I'm trying to wrestle with the fact that Just like you said, it is 50,000 individual decisions about whether or not people want to be in downtown to work. And what are we going to be doing to make the number of people want to come back downtown in order to be in their office on a regular basis?
2: Childcare. My gosh, right? What is there a shortage of in the city? There is an obscene shortage of childcare. If there was great childcare downtown, um how and it made it more convenient to come downtown and that got you access to childcare. imagine what would happen <laughs> I can tell you out here in northeast Seattle where families are you know are getting on lists uh when they're thinking about getting pregnant and things like that um and these are many of the families that are avoiding coming downtown right now that they would uh, they would rip their left arm off for childcare, and coming downtown would certainly be a compelling uh lift I'm sure that better grocery access would be, be more likely to drive people to actually live downtown I mean we could be very targeted about some of this and get a huge bang for our buck rather than just lighting a whole bunch of money on fire to see it drive a couple of uh, stock tickers up two or three cents.
1: I think I think headlining with daycare is child care is a strong move.
2: And jumpstart fund funds some daycare and it's supposed to fund a bunch of other daycare, but they're trying to put that in to cover the you know, the 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 gap in the budget. I mean, it's super frustrating. And I like in the I'm sure that some of this is like we're trying to establish an anchor so that whatever the progressive revenue task force does, they don't come after us. I have talked to some folks and there are some folks who think it's just that there's probably a few ratepayers pushing it. Some folks that think this is just a land grab because it's opportunism. And some folks that think it's an, it's a negotiating technique. Uh, one very insightful person from that world said, uh, that they believe that it's an attempt to elicit an overreactive response from the progressive community so that they can look like the responsible ones. Um, mm-hmm. So one way or another, I don't know if it's quite as three-dimensional chess as that is implied, but one way or another, uh, it it's economically unserious and it's bad citizenship. And so it's very, very disappointing.
1: I was kind of wondering if this is a backdoor austerity job, like we're going to make the government of Seattle wither on the vine by having a third of their budget collapse for the next three years and will put the city in its place.
0: It's very dark, right?
1: I try to. If you listen to folks downtown, they're talking about how every new initiative is helping us claw back from this terrible hole that we have found ourselves. And that the pandemic has just cratered the city of Seattle. And that every new initiative, starting with the convention center, is really just to make sure that Seattle is coming back strong are are we in a terrible hole i mean is is this the worstest that we can uh, we have ever been
2: look, we haven't gone off a cliff, Seattle's not dying, but if we cut a $300 million hole in our budget, the budget that is keeping a bunch of people in permanent supportive housing today, the budget that's keeping some people in psychiatric beds today, the budget that's funding street cleanup and keeping uh, the lights on downtown and is really funding every one of those exciting projects, then uh, then Seattle will be at least needed, need to be on life support, right? So. That's the choice we have to make. Do we invest in the city for the future or do we abandon it and uh, pull up the ladders? And that seems to be the attitude that uh, a few in the business community are taking right now. And I think uh, the others in the business community need to speak up and say, hey, we want this to continue to be a regionally competitive place.
0: We want to remind everyone that the Urbanist Book Club is going to meet April 4th at 6 p.m., where we will talk with, author Nathan Voss. Signups are at theurbanist.org slash event. If there's something that we do that you enjoy or a new proposed holiday, maybe not a taxed holiday, but like an actual celebratory holiday for the city of Seattle um, that you have in mind, please don't hesitate to email us at podcast
1: And a reminder that we are in our spring subscriber drive. If you enjoy the work we do, both on the site and in this podcast, please sign up as a subscriber. Check out theurbanist.org slash donate. And thank you to Ron Davis for joining us today. Thanks for having me. With that, I'm Ray Debicki.
0: And I'm Natalie Argarius. Thanks for listening, and we will talk again soon.
1: Did he say, blessed are the cheesemakers? <laughs> <laughs>